Uh, the weather tonight, uh, we'll see what havoc that plays on uh, the Yankees and the Mets in the makeup game, uh, the game that was rained out. Now they'll try to play it tonight. Could get rained out. We'll wait and see. They will try very hard to play it, obviously, because the Yankees can't schedule too many more of these games. They want to get them in. Uh, tonight's, of course, the Grom and Severino, uh, if they do play it. So that's what we'll be looking for. We'll keep you up to date. Keep it here. We'll stay on top of it and see whether or not uh, we hear anything as far as the weather goes uh, with the game. You know, coming off the Boston series and looking at the teams they were going to play off that series, it was going to be a week where you just expected the Yankees to kind of get their equilibrium back, which they did, win some games, okay, go about their business. You can't panic about a team that is missing a couple of its key components. You can't panic about a team that has still, for the season, played 630 baseball. You have to realize that you're in a year where you just have to own up to the fact and and just realize that you're in with a runaway train and prepare yourself that you're going to play a wild card. I mean, let's be honest. And... You know, you're, you're chasing a team that's 85 and 35. To put it in perspective, after 120 games, the 98 Yankees, who we measure everybody against, were 90 and 30. This team's 85 and 35. The team that a lot of people think was as good as any team that played, a team that was an absolute invincible juggernaut, was 90 and 30. This team is 85 and 35. So that's what you're chasing, and, you know, you can win and win and, you know, knock a week off, and they just continue just to knock off the games day after day. You know, there's a lot of weak teams. There's some teams that are just, you know, when you're dealing with teams like the Orioles and the Red Sox, I mean, and and, and the Royals and the Orioles, teams like that that have, you know, and the White Sox who have won anywhere from 35 to 40 games depending on the team. I mean, those teams are not going to beat these teams. That's all there is to it. If they beat them once, okay. They beat them once in a series, that's a big deal. I mean, so the the chase for all intents and purposes was shut down when Chapman did what he did in game four. I mean, that ended any real serious thoughts of anything positive other than, you know, an utter collapse, which clearly uh, is not happening. So you have to readjust, readjust your perspective to what the season is, what you think the season can be, and trade and just attack it from a different position. That's all you can do. You have to make the most. It does. It, it, yeah. Does it make it harder? Yeah, it makes it harder. Does it make it impossible? Of course not. That's the way you have to treat it. There's nothing else you can do. That's the way you're going to play it. That's the way you have to treat it. As far as the Mets, hey, we know what it is. What's the difference? You know, if there's anything that gets anybody interested, good. If there's any storyline, good. We all know what it's about. It's just about getting this thing over and living with it as, you know, much as you possibly can, finding some interest or intrigue wherever you can, and getting through it. And then we get to the uh, football. And the thing you have to really guard against, and you saw a lot of it this week, is you cannot, cannot overreact to what you see in a preseason game because you got to remember, 
It's just, it, there's nothing real about it. I mean, that's all there is to it. Not anything real about it. So you've got to just realize it's not going, you know, don't get all thrilled about it. Don't get crazy about it. And just keep it real and don't make any outrageous or outstanding declarations uh, about it. And there's been too much of that that's gone on. Now, with that said, you know, I made that point the other day, making it, I was, I tweeted something that said, basically, Hey, do not react to a game played at half speed with limited lineups and teams not even, you know, putting anything in terms of uh, an ingenuity into the game plan. And then I said, doesn't matter. Sam Donald's the guy. Sam Donald's the guy for this reason. There are three things, and it's not going to be, it's not going to have anything to do with the preseason games. That's not going to be where this job's won or lost. This job's going to be won or lost on three parts for the Jets. The Jets have to answer three questions in their own mind to give him the job. Number one, can they protect him? Number two, can he command the room? And number three, does he have a complete grasp of the offense? They will be able to tell that by every day, every minute of how he goes about his job. And they have been thrilled by everything they've seen. I know he played well, but that doesn't matter that he played well. That's really, it's really not the thing. What he does day to day, how he picks up the offense, how he deals with his teammates, how he commands his teammates, how he runs the room, that's the stuff. His has to be his team. He's got to command the team. He's got to command the room. He's got to know the offense, and he's got to be able to have a toughness to handle what's going to come in terms of media, in terms of attention, in terms of adversity. Uh, but the first thing and the most important thing is if you are the Jets, you must know in your heart that you have given him at least a modicum of talent to play with. The Jets are not a playoff contender. We know that. But that there is enough talent around them to give him the ability to make some plays and to grow. And that you give him an offensive line, and this is imperative, that you do not get him beat up because you can do severe damage to a first-year quarterback by getting him beat up not just physically getting him beat up and have to have the situation where he's out for a long time or suffering some injuries like we've seen with a great player like Luck who has been you know, so physically beat up over a couple of years. But more than that, just that he can be confident in his job and feel like he can be productive in his job because he can get some protection. That's imperative. And I think they have, from what I see, enough personnel around him that I would be very much in favor of it being his job. I would keep Bridgewater. I would not trade Bridgewater off until probably the trade deadline. I would wait until a team was desperate. I would wait until there wasn't a lot of access to quarterbacks. I would keep him until then. And I would want Teddy Bridgewater to be the best quarterback in the preseason games because I want to sell him. And I want to hold him as long as I possibly can. I'm not going to try and trade him off the end of the preseason unless somebody offers me a sweet deal. I'm going to hold him until somebody's desperate before the trade deadline. Somebody who wakes up one morning, we've all seen it, you got a playoff team underneath you and you have nobody to play quarterback because your quarterback just went down for the season. And that's where you get to really pick up something you can really use in terms of a next year's draft pick for a guy like Bridgewater who can play in this league. We all know he can. McCown could be the backup and almost a a mentor account wants to be a coach anyway. He's already a coach in a lot of ways in what he's doing right now in breaking this kid in. 
I think they are three quarterbacks in three very different places in their careers, in their lives, and I think they're, they're really, they understand what their places are. Bridgewater knows he's not Bridgewater knows enough already from what he's seen and been around this kid. He knows this kid's going to be the quarterback here. He knows it. Why? Because he knows quarterbacks. He's, he is a quarterback. He understands this is going to be his team. We all understand that. If you don't understand that, you're not paying attention. The only question now is when. And I think it should be right from the get-go because I think he can handle it. I've, you know, I, I've, been a, I've been a supporter of this kid and a guy who thought this kid was going to be good from the, from the get-go. I've never wavered with that, and I have no reason to waver with it now. He's shown me nothing that would make me waver in any way. I think he is the guy who should be the quarterback from day one. I think that's how it works. I think that's the way you do it now. I think the wet's the way it's built in economically, and I think that's the way it's built now franchise-wide. That's what you do. You put him in and play him. The days of those guys sitting for years and years, the days of a you know Keddy Stable sitting behind a Lamonica, or even, or even having guys sit behind the likes of Brett Favre, and that's a little different situation. But still, you don't want to have that situation. You want to have a tier system with your quarterbacks. You want to have your guy and you want to have your backups. And you'd like to have a young guy just to, you know, in sake of development, but the Jets don't need a young guy now because they have a guy who is going to be there with them for a very long time. And is going to be their quarterback for a long time. And to me, I think there's very little debate about that. There should be very little debate about it. If someone wants to make some, go ahead. This is not about Bridgewater Donald. This is about whether Donald's ready. Back after this. 